I finally got my guest, uh, philosopher, attorney, Ronnie Goldman. I was blown away by his work on conservative, conservatives and, and cultural oppression. I started out reading his book on the Star Chamber experience that he had at uh, Stanford University. And I wanted to talk to him today because I was just uh, interested in the philosophy behind the different approaches between conservatives and liberals to the public health crisis of COVID. And as I as I want to do, Ronnie, I'm going to start out with a lurid story. So, oh, okay. <laughs> about 20 years ago, I I nailed my first porn star. And oh, I was Congratulations. Thank you very much. And I was talking about it to the publisher of Adult Video News, and he right. had one question for me. He wanted to know were you safe? And I just thought that is such a quintessential liberal left reaction to all sorts of things in life. Like, did you do it safely? Is there something distinctly liberal left about that sort of response to, you know, sex with a you know, sex worker that is perhaps different from the conservative approach to life? Yeah, well, I mean, that, what, that association is uh, certainly consistent with the uh, underlying thesis of uh, conservative claims of cultural oppression, as is its its application to uh, COVID uh, in particular. So, you know, I guess to, to review the underlying thesis, so, you know, what is the difference between left and right? Well, of course, you know, each side will have their own uh, biased characterizations of, of their opposition. Maybe you can find some more neutral ones, such as, you know, tradition versus progress uh community versus the uh, individual though even that is has to be greatly qualified to make it uh stick so there are a number of 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 ways to you know begin thinking about what is the relationship between left right and uh, in conservative claims of cultural oppression um I'm I'm basically introducing my own understanding of what the underlying uh dichotomy is and it, you know the underlying dichotomy is you know based on my theory sort of deeper than the others and something which would explain the others and so the argument is that if you really understand the the the, the culture wars it is uh not tradition versus uh progress uh individual responsibility versus common good though that certainly captures certain conflicts uh, what I argue is that the underlying opposition uh, it, it has to be understood in terms of the antagonists' place within the civilization, uh, the civilizing process, which I borrow from the uh, sociologist uh, Norbert Elias. Uh, uh, and that's the idea. Well, what is it that makes modernity modernity? And the traditional answer, well, it's it's kind of a, a an open a sort of skepticism of before inherited beliefs, a quest for scientific knowledge uh, from which everything else flows. And I follow philosopher Charles Taylor, and I'm sure others in saying, no, that's not the most fundamental things. It is the transformation of the self from the pre-modern porous self to the more modern buffered self. And there's many ways to characterize that transition, but, it's a change in the personality uh, structure, which reflects broader social changes 
uh, from a society in which chaos and disorder uh, and lack of control are a given to one in which that condition can be overcome and the promotion of a, a personality structure that corresponds to that overcoming. So one that is less uh, re- immediately reactive, uh, more more reflective, less uh, reflexive, more given to uh, self, self-control. That reflects a society in which the self is no longer immediately threatened by, uh, you, you know, all sorts of random misfortune as well as uh, random stimuli generally. So the left liberal concern for, uh, for safety uh, certainly fits, uh, fits into that. You know, safety is just our, our, you know, modern day parlance for one aspect of what it was meant to be, uh, you know, civilized. So, you know, in, um, you know, medieval times, Norbert Elias, you could, you, you could, you know, w- carry around a knife, carrying on weapons, even, you know, point your knife at somebody as though, like, kind of some sort of, you know, to emphasize something, even though you have no intention of killing them, yet mores changed, that became unacceptable, even though it wasn't a matter of literal safety, because it wasn't actually an aggressive move, but it symbolized uh, danger. So, uh, it's it, it, a, a personality, uh, structure which no longer has to react to danger and i would add to that you know safety is one aspect of that but if we're talking about covid uh it's also uh control so you could say the liberal uh personality structure is one that is more resigned accepting of i mean i'm just putting it in a neutral way to to the internalization of all forms, various forms of social control that are necessary for humans to interact with each other in a uh, complex modern society. And I think so. Certainly, if we think about the conservative reaction to the liberal COVID regime, yeah, one is this this repugnance at what conservatives conservatives experience to be a fetishization of uh, of, of safety, and uh, a corollary of that is also. Um, this repugnance at uh, at control because that is because uh, liberals have inter- internalized the modern buffered identity to a greater degree. Various forms of social control don't bother them. They don't experience them as impositions the way conservatives would. So you know, um, I'll, I'll just let me like throw out one example. So in New York. There was uh, a time right after the uh, the vaccines became readily available, and I think probably for the next eight to ten months, where you know you had to have a uh, you know we had vaccine pa- passports. So to get into a restaurant or a bar or anything, you had to uh, you know you just this was an app on your phone, prove that you'd been vaccinated. And I think for most people in New York, it was sort of you know the the liberals in New York, you know it was a minor inconvenience. It was sort of. Uh, you know, a few seconds, you take your phone out and uh, show that you've been vaccinated the same way you would uh, to show that you're 21 if you were uh, if you were carded. But I think that, again, even though conservatives frame themselves there, oh, rebelling against Biden or Obama or some particular nefarious policy, the underlying source of their uh, discomfort 
is uh, is modernity itself. And I and I I think some of the issues with COVID, uh, which you you've highlighted, safety and 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 others have become symbols of that opposition. Now, can can we talk about like who? did better with regard to COVID because I'm yeah. man of the right. And it seems to me really obvious that uh, the, the left and, and liberals were far more effective and they were far more often right and they were far more responsible than, than my side. So, for example, uh, I guess free markets aren't really necessarily traditionally something of the right. Um, you know, people who are highly ethnocentric, which is usually associated with, with the right, don't really care that much about free markets. But yeah, the, the level of, of government intervention just certainly rubs conservatives wrong. But when you're dealing with an unprecedented, uh, and I'm just going to talk for a little bit to allow you to you know catch your breath. Go cause, ahead. Because I know that when you, you get into it, you're going to want to develop your thoughts. So uh, I'll just read from, from Jonathan Shate writing in New York Magazine. He's a good lefty. I've got it, I've got it here, yeah. Oh, great. And he says, where is the Republican soul searching for getting COVID wrong? Dr. Anthony Fauci is at least answering some hard questions. I totally agree with here. I have a completely, not completely, I have a largely conventional understanding of COVID, that uh, lockdowns were important, that uh, everyone should get vaccinated, that uh, the left and liberals' willingness to use government intervention to try to save lives was a good thing. I think that uh, conservative, reflexive rebellion against government control was was usually misguided. Now, some of the the left liberal overreach, all right, conservatives may have been correct, but I think Chade is right. He says conservatives got COVID extremely wrong. Where is the accountability? Where is the course correction? Like conservative talk show hosts, like five of them died of COVID. Uh, conservative talk show hosts are pretty actively undermining the case for getting vaccinated. They were pretty actively undermining the case from the beginning that COVID was even that serious. Dennis Prager had Michael Fermento on his show five times for, for Fermento to make the case that COVID was essentially nothing, that you know only a few dozen people would die from it. Now, according to The Economist, we have about 20 million people around the world who supposedly died from COVID in the United States. We've had over 1 million. And so where is the course correction by conservatives? The answer is that these course corrections don't exist because the conservative movement is incapable of course correction even highly respectable conservative intellectuals have made utterly absurd claims about the pandemic's likely death toll wall street journal ran an op-ed arguing that the standard models that projected COVID death rate were too high by orders of magnitude wall street journal said the actual death toll would be about twenty thousand, perhaps forty thousand. uh the white house under trump created you know pushed a model that persuaded various white house staff that COVID deaths would drop to zero by mid-may 2020 I mean, wishful delusion that COVID posed barely any health risk, you know, produced many other delusions such as hydroxychloroquine would cure it, that vaccines were unnecessary or even helpful. These errors were the product of ingrained mental pathologies on the right, which I, I find myself agreeing with him. Uh, Trump is now running away from Operation Warp Speed, which I think was fantastic, developing a vaccine for, for COVID in less than a year. Ron DeSantis, the Wall Street Journal's preferred candidate, has turned the anti-vaccine movement into a powerful wedge against Trump. He, he's promoted anti-vaxxers. He's recruited a vaccine skeptic to run his state's health department. Uh, Florida is affirmatively against providing the COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine to children. Uh, Ronnie, it just seems to me that uh, conservatives consistently got COVID wrong. What, what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you my general view, and this this goes to the issue of you know why at the end of the day I, I would probably call myself a liberal rather than a conservative, notwithstanding you know everything I say in conservative claims of cultural oppression and the you know the extent to which I you know I I, I understand the conservative viewpoint, but at the end, both sides have you know their fair share of uh, of irrationalities and yet my feelings that on the whole the irrationalities of the right tend to be more pernicious in their in their overall consequences they're not always more egregious but i do feel they're uh more more pernicious and so you can think that if we go to covid certainly we can find extremism and irrationality on both sides but if we were to look at you know the irrationalities uh of the left let's say the you know the side that uh takes covid more seriously you know what is it uh you know the worse it gets so yeah i'm in new york i'm sure that you in uh, in la likewise saw lots of people just like walking down the street by themselves with a mask on, you know, completely uh, ridiculous given the science. And, you know, and, we, you know, we can go beyond that. And, you know, we, certainly at the margin, we can question certain policies on the, uh, y- you know, the COVID cautious left, as it were, you know, uh, did people who are, you know, under 50, and uh, without any comorbidities, really need a booster shot. Um, could schools have opened uh, sooner? Things like that, you know, on the margin, uh, you can certainly criticize the liberal uh, consensus. There's an argument to be made. But if you look at the worst errors on the left side versus on, on the right, which is not to take the disease at all seriously... Uh, to propose ivermectin and hydrochloroquine as uh, as treatments, or a step further, injecting yourself with uh, with with bleach uh, to to invoke Donald Trump, uh, or or thinking that um, the whole thing is some sort of social uh, illusion, so the elites can uh, can exert greater control. Um, that is that is totally nuts. You know, things like lockdowns, there's more room for reasonable disagreement. I mean, basically the presumption is that it does save lives because, you know, how do diseases get transmitted? Well, from person to person. When we emit particles which are then which are the, then uh, inhaled by others. In the Middle Ages, they thought it was a, a miasma, this bad air, which could go from village to village. Um, and you know, if that were the case, then you know, um, they could just like go and go in through your window, but you know, in reality, it goes from person to person, so you know, basically, lockdowns make sense, though. In reality, of course, there is the question of uh, you know, how effective, how easy is it really to implement these social policies? Is there going to be compliance? Um, what are the relative, you know, how do we weigh the benefits of lockdown against the costs? So, you know, things things like that, I think there's room for reasonable disagreement. But uh, it goes, the problem is that on the right, it goes well beyond 
that kind of skepticism uh, into a, a kind of a full, full blown uh, paranoia, which is detached from uh, from how the world works, you know. So let's think about you know vaccines now. You know they they'll, they'll say and this is you know not just uh, figures that we would uh, uncontroversially associate with the right, but you know you have certainly a contingent of uh, of leftists, uh, RFK and like. Jimmy Dore and others, this group, they're also uh, quite pro-Russia on the, uh, on, the, on the Ukraine war. And, um, you know, likewise, they have this view, hey, you know, it's Big Pharma that has captured the FDA. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear that on, the bo- on, on both the left and the right. Uh, from the left, at least it's consistent with their, you know, anti-market orientation it's not uh, on 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 the right, so that you know they are certainly more in bad faith there. But you know that group, um, they have this paranoia because they don't understand how institutions work. So yes, it's true that people who work for the FDA, you might hope to go and work at a prestigious position at a uh, big pharma company in a few years, and in marginal situations where it's a judgment call, where their decision whether to approve or not approve could go both ways um yeah they, they might be they might be biased but they're not going to perpetuate uh you know a global fraud so you you have um definitely a, a, a level of, of of skepticism that is uh you know healthy in moderation and i guess that's another i mean conservatives are supposed to be pro moderation so you know it's fine to have the skepticism of uh, institutions and uh and expertise, but uh, it's something that should be deployed uh, judiciously. Uh, conservatives uh, did not employ it judiciously, or to the extent it appeared that they did, it was just as a pretext for the wilder uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, and um, you know, again, so they are, again they don't like they don't like uh, per conservative claims of cultural oppression. They are uh, skeptical of the the ordering impulses of the buffered identity, and certainly academic uh, programs and degrees and institutions, research institutions like the National Institute of Health, uh, to their mind, uh, symbolize or are, are symbols of that uh, oppression, and as a result, they uh, don't effectively channel their uh their skepticism they become uh you know rather than wielding it in an intelligent manner they uh they become consumed by it so there's a there's a a meme in the chat that i'm going to translate for everyone even if you may already get it so the the meme is does ronnie does ronnie lift so the question is you know is is ronnie a manly man does he lift weights is he high testosterone if he was a manly man he wouldn't be so worried about masks and COVIDs and influenzas and uh, vaccines. Uh, any thoughts on that type of meme, Ronnie? Well, I mean, it's a. I will. Well, I will. First of all, let me answer the question before uh, elaborating it. Uh, I, 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 I do lift, um, and just to. Uh, I would not consider it an indicator of my manliness, but to the extent uh, the. Uh, propounders of this meme do i will give you some stats i do i i start off i went i went to the gym this morning i uh started off my workout is uh three sets 
of uh, 10 to 12 reps each on bench press of 195 pounds. Wow. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge guy. I'm five, six. So I, I think, you know, for my size, uh, you know, pretty respectable uh, as far as do I lift, but I did, I also did wear a, uh, a mask, you know, I, in fact, I was, when I was on, the, not, not outdoors, but uh, yeah, I wore a mask on the, uh, on, on the subway I wore, and not just, not just the surgical mask. I wore the, uh, the KN95. Um, yeah, because I mean, um, again, let, let me let this, your, how much you can lift on a bench press or, you know, what you would do if you were challenged to a fight. And I don't know what I would do because it hasn't really uh, happened, maybe in high school, maybe not even then. So I don't know what I would do. But regardless of that, even if I was the uh, the most uh, manliest of men, I would have done, uh, you know, what I did. But uh, so but, you know, maybe by that lights, I'm not the most manliest of men, but I guess I'm not, uh, you know. Would not be a complete sissy either, I guess, because I did not uh, I did not wear the mask uh, outdoors Uh as soon as I got vaccinated, you know, I, I only wore a mask if I legally had to. Uh, and then, I, you know, if I had to wear it on the train in New York, I would switch to the uh, surgical mask. Just I didn't want to do it. But at a certain point, I did violate the rules for about a, a month or two. It was still required. I just said, I, I really don't don't give a shit. So if that if that redeems me uh, with your listeners, uh, that that's great. Uh, if not, so be it as well. <laughs> Well, we have we um, have we have a woman in the chat, and she thinks you're gorgeous. So, well, I, she's well, pretty I gorgeous it. herself. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can't see myself because my uh, can, can can you see my? Well, maybe she saw me from elsewhere. But I, yeah. I'm playing a previous video. So oh, okay, all right, previous okay. video where they can all right, see well, you. you know, so uh, you know, I I I I, I felt that I'm, I'm I'm really not a uh, hypochondriac uh, at at all. But you know, at the end of the day, you know. The bubonic plague wiped out a third or a half of uh, uh, 14th century Europe, and they were all, you know, quite manly by contemporary standards. They had to be. I mean, I bet their their women were quite manly by contemporary standards as uh, well. And yet they died. Not not that the COVID was uh, the bubonic plague, but you know, same same principle. There are laws of uh, molecular biology, and are had our our you know superficial uh, conscious categories of uh, of 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 strength you know do not uh, correspond to you know real uh, real outcomes you know the uh, Germanic barbarians you know I guess by were uh, by conventional uh, measures I guess more manly than the Romans the Romans were quite manly but in terms of like individual expressions of machismo. And yet they were defeated time and again. So, uh, you know, that's whatever, whatever the virtues of, of manliness, you know, they interact with forces that are, uh, are utterly uh, indifferent uh, to manliness. And uh, if there are virtues to manliness, then like recognizing that indifference is uh, surely among them. Yeah. So vaccine resistance, vaccine resistance used to be associated uh, with hippies uh, on right. the left, but now vaccine resistance has come to be more associated with the right. But now we've got 
Robert F. Kennedy Jr. running for president, and I find his perspective on vaccines just deplorable. I find his his perspective on Wi-Fi just crazy. I, I, oh, I yeah. think he's absolutely a pernicious influence. But uh, what can you tell me about the philosophy behind vaccine resistance, and is it something more of the left or of the right? Well, you know, it's... I. I guess it can assume different forms. Um, and as you said, like, so originally, uh, you know, 80s and 90s, it was a, it was a uh, left, left-wing thing yeah, associated with a you know, skepticism of corporate power, a celebration of, you know, all things uh, natural. I guess, you know, we are usurping nature's role through these, uh, through these vaccines. Um, but... Um, RFK, you know, the interesting thing there, you know, even though a anti-vaccine uh, skepticism of uh, of the left is certainly conceivable because that's it's existed. It's weird that sort of this, you know, celebrated uh, uh, scion of, uh, of 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 giants, uh, RFK, of a democratic democratic giants. He has a he has. A, and I, you know, it, 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 I wonder if there's some sort of intrinsic logical connection between this vaccine skepticism and other right wing positions. You know, he has moved right. I mean, his position on, you know, Ukraine, uh, I, I, you know, was that left or right? We could we could we could debate that. But he has said, you know, he endorses uh, free markets. He was asked, asked about uh, climate change. And even though he was uh, uh apparently a, a fairly confident environmental lawyer for a while. He says, yeah, you know, that's a problem, but, you know, climate change is not being exploited by the uh, Davos globalist crowd, which means he's going to do nothing uh, about it. Uh, he's not met for Medicare for all. He is uh, certainly, he's adopted a, a fairly pro-Israel position uh, as, as well. So he's, he has moved uh, rightward along with his, uh, his vaccine, uh, his vaccine position. Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, that, so what, that's what, good. What so, yeah, just take, yeah, just that, that, that's fine. I mean, you can circle back if anything, if anything comes to you. But the, I guess one one divide is establishment versus anti-establishment. RFK is very much an anti-establishment political figure, and given that it's the left who dominates almost all of our institutions, generally right. speaking, one would expect that somebody who's politics is dominated by an anti-establishment reflex in 2023 normally you would expect that they are on the right is that fair to say i think yeah that 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 is fair to say you know i um and you know nothing nothing and that, that would explain why his his uh his general views have drifted rightward not just his uh anti anti-vax just because you know you see people who you know you have some affinity with in your temperament and so you become more open to their their views and uh, and drift that way. But in 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 a sense, it is. Um, the, I mean, the left is is uh, based on the theory of conservative claims of cultural oppression. Yeah, I mean, they believe in uh, in institutions, the onward uh, march of of science. Conservatives represent this counter enlightenment impulse to resurrect the uh you know the virtues that um 
that have been uh, suppressed by this, you know, uh, uh, very this disciplinary modern uh, order, and that 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 explains a whole range of uh, of things, including uh, their uh, their attitudes uh, towards towards COVID. Yeah, and. Lest we lest we forget, let's let's just touch on the the trans issue. So, yeah. what what are the different philosophies between left and right with regard to issues such as transsexuality? Well, you know, I it's in conservative claims of cultural oppression. I, you know, I I most of it was written. You know, I've been revising it for a while, but the basics were written. I think. Uh, just right before 2015, 2016, before transgenderism exploded onto the scene. But I, so I didn't address it at length. I addressed it in one, one, you know, discussion of a, uh, of a few pages. And I, I, you know, the whole, the whole theory is that progressivism, liberalism, it, refer, it, it represents a uh, secularization of a, uh, of a religious impulse. Uh, to sort of transcend, you know, a Christian impulse to transcend mere, uh, mere, mere appearance to transcend the lower towards the uh, higher, and certainly in transgenderism, we see this idea, this idea that sort of, you know, um, sexual how human beings' uh, sexuality itself should be seen as something which is sort of as superficial. As you know, the left has always argued that you know skin color should be that it, it is it is replaced by uh, by gender identity. So it, it represents um, the sort of aspiration towards spiritual purity, because to speak that discourse is to say that you have seen beyond mere physiology or mere biology. Um, towards this higher realm of gender identity, which is not, you can't see it. It's not scientifically uh, verifiable or falsifiable, but it is uh, higher for all that reason, because it goes beyond, it asks us to sort of overcome our, uh, you know, reflexive, uh, you know, visceral understanding of the world. Though I think that, you know, transgenderism you know, you really have to understand that my analysis really only applies in the American context, in the in in the context of the um, American cultural wars. Uh, so, you know, for example, if you were to go to a number of countries in uh, in Europe now, the uh, the Nordic countries and the UK, and I think uh, France as well. You have a uh, you know an emerging uh, skepticism towards gender affirming care, not just by lone practitioners or scientists, but by you know the the you know government bodies, um, which in the U.S. would be associated with the you know transphobic uh, Ron DeSantis uh, right, but you would you would see scientists in in Europe making a lot of the same points, of course, in a, you know, in a more temperate and nuanced way and qualified way. But, uh, you know, it, it is it as as transgenderism is understood in, in the U.S., you cannot understand it apart from 
from the culture wars, the the extremism in the transgenderist left. Um, the difference between that and the views which you find in Europe is a function of the fact that here the left is is worried about giving ammunition to the right. So any kind of skepticism or any kind of uh, of nuance, recognition of risks and co- complexity uh, cannot be acknowledged because that is to give ammunition to uh, Ron DeSantis and others. Yeah. So I think one of the the, the best ways for understanding the the philosophy behind this fantastic book that you've done on conservative claims of cultural oppression is like very concrete examples that just really just hit you in the face and bring it to light. And one such example that you mentioned in your book, and which of course I will remember given my perverse nature is notions of like ethical BDSM. Like that is something that to the extent you hear about it, that's going to be something coming from the left. Uh, conservatives. Ethical what? Ethical BDSM bondage. Oh, oh, Sato, Sato, like uh, massacre. Yeah. Right, that right. like ethical uh, tr- transgressive sex. All right, that is something that people on the, on the left talk about. You know, drag queen story hour. Uh, right. You know, all sorts of different expressions of like what, from a traditional perspective, are different forms of perversity, but from a large part of the liberal left perspective are things that can be done in a wholesome nurturing safe ethical consensual uplifting fashion so could you talk a a little bit about how how does the liberal left conceive of something like ethical swinging or ethical bdsm or ethical drag queen story hours while people on the right tend to be much more horrified by these things right well, so I mean, something I'd say something like ethical swinging is not particularly problematic because that's just from the point of view of the left. That's just you know, it's a celebration of uh, traditional notions. You know, uh, it's just it's just it's just adult consent. So it's like okay, you don't want to be monogamous as long as everybody's straightforward about what's going on. That's not not a a big deal. But yeah, certainly if we think about. Uh, Drag, uh, drag queen uh, story hour, and it is uh, y- you know uh, that involves involves uh, children. So let's say first of all, so yeah, I mean that that certainly certainly there are you know I I, I could imagine some drag queens that are you know more uh, comical than they are sexual, you know, or more theatrical than they are uh, than they are sexual. So. I wouldn't say that's you know it's always the case that it's uh, it's it's sexually tinged, but certainly there is uh, within this movement a certain you know at either celebration or if not that a certain uh, tolerance a certain uh, ex- exhibitionist uh, impulses, um, and and you know that's when we think about transgenderism and maybe maybe this you know intersects with queer uh, ideology they will present it as okay we just don't want you to want you to as an extension of traditional non-discrimination principle so respect people based on their gender uh, idea gender identity uh, irrespective of their uh, physiological uh, embodiment now we can certainly debate whether that's uh, humanly possible but at least that's 
it at least sounds like an extension of certain traditional liberal uh, non-discrimination principles. But I, I certainly think um, in this this movement, I, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Desmond is Amazing. Yes. So, yeah, it, it's this kid. It's a biological male. Uh, I don't know. Uh, last I saw seven, eight, nine years old, maybe older now. I'm not sure. But just like, you know, uh, dressed up in uh, very uh, sexually provocative female clothing, clothing uh, engaging in uh, stereotypically uh, sexually uh, provocative emotions. Yeah, I mean, I, whatever. I mean, they're going to say, like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm Gen X. I don't have the stigma of being a boomer, but maybe maybe almost as bad. But even though I'm sort of, you know, yeah, generally liberal, yeah, my like my gut instinct is like, what the hell is going on here? We wouldn't tolerate that of a of a as it were a cisgender girl, biologically female. We would say that's completely unacceptable at that age. Put them through that. So even if we assume this is a you know biologically male who has a female gender identity and therefore a real girl, a real woman. Yeah, even if I were to like concede that, okay, but why are you permitting this? Uh, you know, you, uh, if, if if the principle was to treat them the same as someone who is cisgender, well, it would be unacceptable either way. So it, it is framed in sort uh, in, in in terms of like, you know, Egalitarian non-discrimination principles uh, don't get gratuitously, you know, judgmental on the basis of unimportant differences, but they are, uh, yeah, I have to say they are, in fact, you know, pushing the uh, envelope, uh, trying to change certain uh, underlying uh, mores, you know, and I, I, you know, I think, you know, what is the motivation uh, for, for that? Uh, I think um, part of it is, you know, there are certainly are, you know, various, you know, perverts and child molesters and, and creeps who will see an opportunity to insinuate themselves into uh, such a uh, such a movement. I don't think I certainly don't think I characterize all the movement, but to the extent it's supported by, you know, that kind of thing supported by non creeps. It is, uh, you know, uh, to trigger the conservatives, as it were. You know, we've, we've spoken a lot in the uh, media about uh, how conservatives uh, place the objective of triggering the uh, the libs, you know, as like the, uh, the highest political imperative. Um, but you do see a certain version of that on the uh, on the uh, transgenderist uh, left. They, I think they are trying to uh, push the envelope. Once again, I've uh, I've lost track of the initial question to which I'm responding. Yeah, no, that, that's fine. But um, what is the? Uh, let me see if I can articulate. Let Let's just talk ethical swinging. The traditional uh, right wing negative response to ethical swinging is that we're messing with social meaning. That we're we're messing with. Uh, norms uh, we're, we're messing right. with what is traditionally understood as right and wrong and giving purpose and structure to our life and so even if we can't point out concrete harms if everybody's consenting we're just messing with the structure of the community and the structure of of meaning mm -hmm. that we subscribe to and we have no idea what could be the negative consequences could you could you maybe elaborate on why 
many conservatives would not be at ease with ethical swinging? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think, um, I mean, I, I, I think, I think that that's that's consistent with the theory. I mean, it's it's the idea that you know, consent cannot be the social uh, bedrock because you know, yeah, choices and consent have their place, but it, it that they're only going to be uh, socially and individually worthwhile choices if they are made by selves that are integrated that have a a center um of of some kind and you know the 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 crooked timber of the human of, of, of human nature being uh what it what it is we are uh, we are reliant on uh these broader social structures to create uh the self um, and only once we have sort of internalized to some degree these external strictures uh, can our uh, can our decisions have, uh, have 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 any value. So ethical swinging, even though you know, yeah, it's it's uh, unobjectionable in terms of uh, consent. Uh, it may uphold uh, consent. Consent uh, itself is. Uh, a derivative value which presupposes the uh the development of certain individuals within a uh within a particular kind of society which uh conservatives say would uh under, is undermined by uh by swinging uh, ethical or not and what would be the to the most people on the left would not be thrilled with desmond is amazing but what what aspect of left wing thought would would argue that this is not a bad thing like how would how would a lefty consistent with a liberal left ideology say that uh, Desmond is amazing? It's how would he make the argument that it's not a bad thing? Well, I mean, there I, I think that that is where you would go to the idea of queerness, you know. So originally queerness was queer was a, a homophobic uh, slur. Um, Later, uh, you know, it was appropriated by the gay move, gay rights movement. You know, maybe you could say just the way you know certain black black uh, activists might have uh, appropriated the the uh, N word. But the the difference is that you know it's not just a synonym for gay or, or self self uh, or say, uh, same same sex uh, attraction. It denotes kind of this imperative to uh, transgress all traditional prejudices um, about, uh, about, about sex. So I, I, I think that, you know, leftists, they can get bamboozled by certain terms. If you tell them, you know, this uh, Desmond is amazing. He, you know, overthrows uh, hetero norma, norma, patriarchal normativity something like that to the extent that you kind of have this uh this view of uh, you know our entire inherited conventions as some sort of uh um oppressive imposition then you know you're, you're not even going to you're just not you're not even to think about you know well what is this kid going to look like when he's 17 uh is this is this really going to be good you're just going to say you know he is uh serving the valuable uh, political function of uh, 
upending these uh, repressive uh, mores in uh, people's mind. To the extent you really believed it, that's what you would think. But, you know, certainly there are a lot of people who just uh, who, you know, as you suggested, you know, don't believe it, but will not will not say anything. Yeah. And uh, aside from left dominating our major institutions, are there other reasons why the left is more at ease with ceding power to experts and say when you cede more power to experts, you're simultaneously having to take it away from other sources such as politicians and, and voters. So why, why is the left more at ease with ceding power to experts? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of... Uh, so one, one big part of it is, is you know, conservatives, uh, they have, uh, I think, you know, Edmund Burke in uh, Reflections on the Revolution in France he celebrated, uh, you know, wisdom uh, without reflection. That sort of, you, you know, ordinary people, uh, even though they weren't necessarily eloquent in articulating why they believe why they believed, uh, because they had certain experiences, they were not, you know, nonetheless able to arrive at the correct views. Uh, the, the correct views. Yeah, in a debate where you have to, you know, defend um, your position with a series of logical deductions. They might get wiped off the floor, but there's a certain, you know, fetishization of uh, our, uh, our logical powers, um, which is not actually uh, warranted uh, by, by the human, human condition. So... Um, the distrust of expertise is therefore, in a sense, an extension of the porous self. That's you know, our 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 the our emotions uh, are not inherently suspect. Our visceral re- our visceral reactions, I should say, something narrower than emotions, are not inherently uh, uh, are are not inherently wrong, um, and you know. Again, so what is you know is that is that is that trust correct or um, or not? Well, you know, it, it, we've inherited all of these impulses from our evolution. So uh, the greater the extent to which the situation resembles the circumstances under which we evolved, the more trust you can place in those in- instincts. The more modern and sui generis and historically unprecedented the situation is, those sorts of anti-expert, you know, visceral instincts are going to be less effective. So, you know, things like the efficacy of uh, of the vaccine, uh, your instincts are going to maybe, you know, you they're going to attune you to, okay, maybe there's a certain, you know, self-satisfaction uh among the uh scientific elites you're gonna sense that you're gonna sense that uh you know they too have a certain you know herd mentality you know they're most doctors you know have not gone over the studies by themselves they're gonna repeat whatever they think is the most respectable views so if you have this you know pre-modern uh porous personality you're going to be a you know attuned to the uh you know various you know human uh imperfections 
of uh, of of the expert uh, class, but even though you're going to correctly see that, and you will be able to find examples where there is indeed a certain degree of uh, of herd, uh, uh, you know, of groupthink, still that's going to uh, blind you to a lot of other things. You know, just like asking, you know, the vaccines. Yeah, the margins. You need a booster shot. Is natural immunity a substitute? Does a four-year-old need really need them? At the margin, we can ask that. We, we, you know, we can debate that. But fundamentally, fundamentally, they're safe. Fundamentally, they help. Absent, you know, very unusual circumstances. But and you're going to be blind to that uh, just because you're going to process things. At this more at this more visceral level, and you'll you'll detect the the human flaws in the expert class, but you're not going to be able to put those flaws in the wider context of how organizations and institutions actually work. Okay, let me read a little bit from your terrific book on conservative claims of cultural oppression. Talk about I think Harvey Mansfield was at Harvard. He writes that whereas rational control wants our lives right. to be bound by rules. Manliness is dissatisfied with whatever is merely legal or conventional. So rational control wants peace, discounts risk, and prefers role models to heroes. Manliness favors war, likes risk, and admires heroes. So manliness seeks and welcomes drama and prefers times of conflict and war and risk. Manliness tends to be insistent and intolerant, just as it is steadfast, taking a stand, not surrendering, not allowing oneself to be determined by one's context, not being adaptive or flexible. So manliness must prove itself and do so before an audience. It seeks to be theatrical, it welcomes drama, and it wants your attention. By contrast, rational control prefers routine and doesn't like getting excited, must therefore seek to keep manliness unemployed by means of measures that encourage or compel behavior intended to be lacking in drama. So I want to go back through this paragraph and apply it to COVID. So rational control is kind of the, the liberal left ideology right. of the Buffett self where you're reflexive and right. highly you know, disciplined and you take into consideration everything that you say and do and how it affects other people. So rational control wants our lives to be bound by rules. That was the liberal left response to COVID. We need rules. The more medieval conservative approach and whatever conservatism is it's definitely more traditional more medieval than than liberalism it's dissatisfied with merely following the rules and convention so rational control wants peace it wants a lower risk it wants safety but manliness favors war likes risk admires heroes so you saw a lot of histrionic anti-covid protests and that would seem to fit much more with a traditional understanding of the human being and of masculinity. The most anti-COVID lockdown protests seem to come from the anti-establishment uh, right. So manliness tends to be insistent and intolerant. So they did not like having their small businesses shut down. Uh, manliness must prove itself and must do so before an audience. So there's a great deal of performance in right-wing protests. They, they like to orate at school board meetings. They like to you know, seize attention. Uh, they love to you know, go on Fox News. They've, they've become quite the performers. Uh, so manliness must prove itself before an audience. It seeks to be theatrical, welcomes drama, wants your attention. These seem to be pretty good descriptions of what 
seem to be generally anti-establishment, largely on the right protests against COVID restrictions. Uh, rational control, which is the liberal left approach, prefers routine, does not like getting excited and uh, wants to take measures that uh, keep manliness under control. Anything you want to add to this, particularly in with regard to COVID and COVID restrictions? Well, you know, it's it's the dilemma of uh, of conservatives that the the, the underlying uh, value, uh, you, you know, virtues that they're seeking to defend uh, have a have a certain value. I don't I don't I don't doubt that. But how do you how do you express those in a uh, productively in a uh, in a in, in a modern uh, society? Uh, not not easy to do so but very easy to uh express it counter uh counterproductively um and um you know it's kind of uh you know blind uh, uh you know un- unremitting resistance to authority yeah that's certainly found uh expression in resistance to the establishment consensus on uh, on on covid and you know largely uh misplaced resistance but here was an obvious, uh, uh, an, an obvious occasion on, on which to try to uh, resurrect, resurrect this uh, much maligned uh, virtue of uh, of manliness. And so, you know, it's easy to say, well, we've got to have, you know, find these, you know, traditional uh, expressions of uh, manliness. You know, we were, you know, a tribal society. The context in which we evolved is uh, obviously no longer. Uh, possible you know as as you know as civilized as we have become uh can you find uh another way uh to express these uh these these virtues well i guess you know lifting weights uh could be could be one uh probably not enough to satisfy most people the uh the harvey mansfield passage you quoted if i remember correctly you know i think I think I quote that in 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 both the uh, the the Star Chamber, uh, uh, both conservative claims of cultural oppression, and the Star Chamber of Stanford, because you know I I guess I did try to uh, uh, embody that kind of manliness, you know, in academic in an academic context, even though that would be uh, not discernible from the outside, because from the outside I'm you know as much a nerd as uh, as as the next guy, but just this kind of obtuse resistance even though you can't really articulate or articulate effectively what the alternative is or why it is exactly that you're doing what you're doing nevertheless this uh this visceral feeling that uh it is uh it is it is justified um i can uh you know it it has it has a certain value it's going to create a lot of havoc uh, as as well uh, but it has a, has has a certain role in our uh, in our in our discourse. But in in a modern context, it's so hard to find work and to be channeled. Obviously, with me in academia, that's very uh, individual, very uh, sweet, generous. Can't could not be a general solution, of course. And and you know what that would be. Uh, you know, I don't I, I don't know. Yeah, the the growing power of HR departments due to all the civil rights litigation from Mm -hmm. ever complicated civil rights laws means that the the liberal left school mom mentality which i was so familiar from my days in school i was not a good student in in large 
part because most of my teachers were female and even when they weren't female just like feminism just dominated the classroom so that like explicit uh-huh. rambunctious competition and, and you know doing battle was you know strongly discouraged they they really wanted to instill the the buffered uh, reflexive self rather than the you know the traditional rambunctious uh, male self and now that same kind of school mom attitude has entered the workplace and it's not it's not only a bad thing right obviously i'm a man of the right i like you know trad freedoms but the 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 keep things safe has many positive aspects in that you know the workplace probably should not be sexualized right the workplace should be primarily for work and keeping the workplace you know as safe as possible does seem to be uh, the the most economically efficient and you know it seems there are many positive things about the school mom attitude i think there are many positive things about karen's who are kind of the the epitome of the school mom but out All into right, yes. wider society uh and it also makes you know workplaces probably safer because of the concerns with safety so making sure that everyone's vaccinated and that they wear masks and that they you know follow the the latest protocols from the cdc all right, this is a liberal left importation that, that dominates workplaces, and I don't think it's all a, a bad thing. I think there are many positive aspects of it. Can you talk about any aspect of what I was just rambling on about? Well, you know, I, when you're talking about you know HR departments and uh, and the workplace, that we've we've been going back and forth between uh, COVID and uh, and transgenderism. So th- this could take us a bit a bit towards you know transgenderism, but you know, so I'm 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 at work, and you know we're a, uh, a small scrappy plaintiffs firm, and uh, a lot of our uh, defendant counsels are like you know the, the, like the big you know white shoe law firms with you know hundreds of uh, employees, including hundreds of uh, of attorneys. You know a bit more you know straight laced. We can you know we can I can I can go to work in in, in shorts if I don't have any court appearance or anything like that. Uh, whereas they are, you know, much more, uh, much more buttoned down. But yeah, I will find like increasingly when I uh, interact with them by email, in their signature lines, they will have their pronouns. You know, uh, yeah. he, 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 her, uh, uh, he, him, uh, she, her, so forth. Uh, they, them, uh, whatever, whatever it may be. Now that's the kind of thing. Like in a small firm, like where I am, like nobody's even going to. Uh, to think about that, and you know, I, 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 I do think to myself. So, why are those pronouns there? Did they? Was it a totally uh, individual decision? Was there uh, an email from HR, you know, strongly urging them to do it? Was there an email from HR telling them they had to do it? You know, uh, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't know, but, but certainly, you know, viscerally, when I see it. Um, it gives you know at the level of uh, of, of unarticulated uh, social meaning. You know, liberalism doesn't doesn't just destroy old social meanings in the in the process. It does create uh, new ones. And I'm I'm thinking when I when I read those, you know, is there uh, the the implication? Would one be unreasonable to think that in in providing these pronouns, not only are you telling me your uh, pronouns but you are also telling me that providing your pronouns is the uh polite uh courteous humane thing uh to do without anyone uh even asking you even though i have, i feel no need to give my pronouns 
I have no pronouns, but I, but I, I, it kind of you know communicates that message. Not that that level of that social meaning is entrenched yet, but like you know, I, I, I do feel it going in in that in that direction as as do as do conservatives. Yeah, and uh, but I think this also touches on COVID, the the great importance that the liberal left and the school mom Karen attitude give and, and HR departments give to safety that also follows over to public health safety and all sorts of you know COVID restrictions, which I overall think do more good than harm, particularly with, with regard to COVID. In other areas, I think the, the school mom attitude does more harm than good. But is it fair to to associate the school mom keep everything safe and sanitized attitude of HR departments and the kind of school mom Karen attitude that we see in wider society with what I see as the greater effectiveness of liberal and left wing instincts with regard to COVID than the more rambunctious traditional conservative. Yes, that, that is, you know, today, today with the culture wars, everything assumes a, uh, a political a political meaning so I, you know i don't think it was always the case i'm sure there's a time in you know in the 1950s where uh you know to the extent that attitude prevailed it had no political meaning at all it was just you know what it meant to live in 1955 you know of course we would take the polio vaccine of course we would listen to these uh these scientists who you know sound ever so reasonable you know, in that, yeah, in that, in that context, uh, it, ha- it had no political meaning. Um, it was just part of it was just being uh, being an un, un, un American. But I think that uh, it, it has uh, there's been an accretion of uh, political and cultural meaning. Uh, and, and and you know, yes, and now it it is it is objectively more strongly associated with the left. Now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but even in the few years since you were really focused on conservative claims of cultural oppression, it just strikes me that uh, right-wing rhetoric and right-wing argumentation and right-wing politics has has dropped even another five to ten IQ points. I'm on the right, and yet I readily recognize that almost all you know right-wing talking points are you know fairly moronic. It just it just seems that the level the intellectual quality of right-wing discourse has been steadily dropping as the right becomes more populist and more anti-establishment and just more plain ornery and contrarian. Is Am I right that there's something going yes, on here? Yes, because they, 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 they see the demand for intellectual cogency as you know, kind of an elite uh, imposition, which, uh, you know, it's it, it, in some ways it's, you know, it resembles uh, the the postmodern left. It's uh, you know we are so oppressed that for you know for you to ask demand of us that we t- you know take make a priority of truth at every turn and making every single argument um, that they they see that as um, an, an oppressive demand because basically they are they see themselves they are, they are so oppressed by virtue of of being conservative that they are you know entitled to engage in whatever uh, you know intellectual dishonesty might uh, might help them that they, in, in their you know how do they rationalize it 
not that you know not that intellectual dishonesty doesn't matter at all not that intellectual honesty has 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 no value but that you know given how uh, culturally oppressed they are they are you know not required to uh play play that game and yeah and, and the, you know in, in a sense it's uh it's um uh jonah goldberg i don't know if you read the uh, dispatch magazine sometimes uh, yes sometimes he had an yes. article on like like critical Trump theory, yeah, uh, which is like an analog of critical race theory. So you know, critical critical race theory. If there are differences in you know how uh, different ethnicities do on various tests or other measures of accomplishments, if some are notably uh, lower than others, then the you know the conventional uh, I guess conservative view is like you know well that's a problem. Uh, how do they get up there? Why are why are they lower? Whereas the uh, the you know the critical race theory is that well. That discrepancy, uh, the disparate outcome is merely a proof of an underlying uh, uh, structure of oppression. And so Goldberg was saying that with uh, with with Trump, like anything that negatively affects Trump, it's not it's not what did Trump do wrong. It's why is the system organized in such a way as to oppress Trump, as to lead to negative outcomes from for 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 Trump. And I think. Uh, you know, as I, as I, as I argue in the book, you know, conservatives have uh, certainly uh, absorbed that temperament uh, generally, where uh, they they are so oppressed that they uh, and, and, and I'm not denying that they're that they're oppressed entirely, but they're they leap from that to thinking, therefore, as compensation for that undeserved fate, uh, we are not uh, obligated to play by these intellectual rules. It's a form of yeah. It's a form. It's a form of uh, of, of reparations, in essence. I think. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. So, if uh, if more right wingers died of COVID than left wingers, one could see that as evolution, you know, taking its toll on a maladaptive strategy, as opposed to, uh, say, let's say, welcoming immigrants uh let's say that that caused an increase in death to people on the left uh being you know overly friendly to outsiders and outgroups right. that would be that would be an example of a maladaptive left-wing strategy any any thoughts on that? well yeah 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 you know but but there's uh you know evolution worked over millions hundreds of millions of years because even you know the logic of uh of natural uh, of natural selection uh, is you know it's it's real but it, it always interacts with so many other forces that can uh, frustrate it. So you know, for example, on the um, on the side of uh, immigration, the people who are you know are you know so vociferously. Uh, you know, pro-immigration. You know, any kind of restriction is uh, a, a form of uh, of racism. You know, those are going to be the liberal elites who, given where they live, you know, are uh, unlikely to uh, suffer from you know whatever additional crime uh, illegal immigrants uh, you know create. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what additional level crime they 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 do create. But but the extent it had net negative repercussions, or be it if not if not crime. Are just lowered lowered wages because of additional co co um, competition. They will be immune to it, and and likewise with COVID. Uh, you know the fact is that uh, even though people you know of all ages could get it and uh, die from it, 
you know, the vast majority of deaths were, you know, 65 and, 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 and older. And then you had some, you know, probably a good number of 50 and older as well. Relatively few from younger age groups, which is the groups where people most likely have kids. So that, and that's, so that's, that's a good thing for conservatives. They've escaped the laws of natural selection in this instance, because even though they were, uh, their irrationality was, was, you know, certainly more likely to be punished uh, because they didn't, you know, take the vaccines or other precautions, most likely if they died, they most likely already had whatever kids they were going to have by that, by that point on average. Yeah. Now, some conservatives were, were quite fine with following COVID lockdown rules and getting vaccinated and following, following the science. Uh, other conservatives were kind of outraged at all these impositions. Would it be fair to say that those conservatives who were outraged by the public health impositions, uh, shutting down churches, you know, shutting down workplaces, trying to mandate taking vaccines, that, that those conservatives who were most outraged were, were perhaps the most medieval of the conservatives and the conservatives who were the most amenable to following the science were the, the most modern type of uh, conservatives. Yeah, in terms of, 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 of your visceral reactions, I mean, mm -hmm. there is certainly, I mean, th there is, you know, there were irrational lockdowns. Like, I, I remember there was, a, you know, there was a video was out in California and, uh, you know, there being a, there being a, a special exemption was given to Hollywood movie studios so, you know, they could eat outside, you know, as they were filming and they had like an eating area. Whereas there's this woman who had a, uh, had a restaurant and she just wanted to do the outdoor seating, but even that was not permitted. Yeah, they got an exemption. So, you know, I don't want to, um, in, in certain, in certain cases, you know, it was certainly a, uh, justified, uh, criticism of the operative, uh, covid covid regime but uh with respect to other things you know just like you know having to wear a mask when you go into a store or something it's the sort of thing where yeah i mean the 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 the, the liberal reaction or the reaction of you know conservatives who are maybe somewhat more accommodated to, to you know uh modernity it's all you know it's, it's a more objective assessment of these measures which is that they are inconveniences uh, but certainly, you know, nothing that should really uh, compromise your sense of uh, of self. You know, even if they're, you know, a little, a little irrational, a little overgeneral, and, uh, and 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 so forth. But yeah, to the extent you still have a more medieval uh, personality structure, you are oppressed generally just by this sense of being controlled by this more complex more regimented society and so that's your baseline are already you know even even if nothing special happens you already have that you know in in in, in the background of yourself and then if then beyond that if already feeling that then you get these um you know additional uh uh covid related controls yeah that is going that that that, that is going to add fuel to your underlying sense of uh, of injustice, which was already there for reasons un entirely unrelated to COVID, and if you further discover that okay, maybe we can say you know Fauci and certain others, maybe we're not completely honest here or there. They were not really 
rational on you know on certain issues like you know school closings then then you discover that well that's just going to inflame you all 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 the further but you know and that's why you're going to misinterpret the significance of the irrationality you you see because you are vent venting the uh underlying uh uh conflict between you and uh modernity uh what in conservative claims of cultural oppression, uh, Lee Harris, you know, he says, you know, for the uh, for the ordinary American, uh, the uh, the ostensible issues are uh, are always secondary. Hmm. And I, I think that makes sense for COVID as well. So uh, let me let me think here. I had a great, great question I wanted to uh, ask you. So. I, I see a lot of right-wing rhetoric about these uh, Trump indictments, that it means that we're living, that America is now a police state, which rhetoric I find completely reprehensible and wrong, even if these indictments of Trump are misplaced and politicized justice and all that. I, I don't see America living you know, in a police state, even as we, like every other first world nation, suddenly become more regulated. That just seems to be mm-hmm. I- inevitable. Uh, part of uh, modernity and and prosperity that we always incrementally become increasingly regulated as as time goes by. But there's also a lot of rhetoric on the right that uh, COVID lockdowns were like Nazi Germany or like living under communism. And they will show various examples where the establishment's, you know, gone to extreme ridiculous lengths and and says that, you know, we're just becoming like Nazi Germany and Joseph Stalin's Soviet Union. And the only difference between the left in Stalin's Soviet Union and the left in America today is that uh, the left in Stalin's Soviet Union got to implement what they wanted while the left in America is being held at bay by courageous you know, conservatives fighting for traditional American uh, values. So how do, you, how do you understand histrionic right-wing reactions, whether they are to things like uh, moderate COVID restrictions or to things like the Trump indictments. So, you know, if I think about the Trump indictments, I mean, when pe- people say, oh, you know, this is all political, it's politically motivated, look, it is certainly the case that liberals feel a lot of glee upon the federal Trump uh, indictment. You know, that's that, again, like these, these conservatives, that's what they sense. Like, you guys are really happy to have, to, you know, have Trump in your crosshairs. And the answer to that is yes, you are correct. They really are happy to do that but if you were to actually look at the indictment itself and last weekend I, I i read the whole thing and um you know it is not it is perfectly sound legally and you know trump created it himself like this idea that it came from on high you know find you know find trump guilty of something and then they went and like looked for something it is it has the truth standing on it on its head it all started with Trump's actions, Trump's decision to take the documents, Trump's decision not to return everything in the National Archives, Trump's decision not to return everything upon the subpoena. You know, it's all he created the whole thing himself um, it, it is what the facts uh, reveal that anybody who did what he did would have gotten indicted. But uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I think they are uh, um, certainly wrong, wrong on uh, on that score. And what was what was the other uh, issue? Okay, the histrionic 
uh, right-wing rhetoric to to uh, modest and moderate COVID restrictions, just like uh, the histrionic right-wing rhetoric that we're now living in a police state because Trump received a, a couple of indictments. So much of talk radio, right-wing talk radio and Fox News rhetoric just seems histrionic, whether it's in regard to the Trump indictments or with regard to modest and moderate COVID right. restrictions. Any well, thoughts well, on why you, it's so histrionic? Yeah, well, you know, in in, 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 in a sense... You know, in 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 conservative claims of cultural oppression, I have uh, you know I I frequently say that we need to uh, even though the what I call the fundamentalist interpretation of conservative claims of cultural oppression is misbegotten. You know, on that level, they're completely incoherent. Nevertheless, they uh, kind of uh, embody a. Uh, a higher truth, or I will, I will say that uh, also in, in in a similar vein that uh, conservatives have an uh, under-theorized understanding of the mutation counter-narrative, counter the evolution from the poorest self to the uh, to the buffered uh, self, so which is to say that, you know, they have this uh, visceral intuition which is always misarticulated. And, you know, all of this stuff, um, Again, they have a uh, fundamental uh, hostility, repugnance to just certain features of uh, modern life, which are not uh, in accord with uh, how we uh, evolved uh, to be. And so, in a sense, it's a, it's a, the antagonism is uh, readily understandable, but it is something that, given that the extent to which we are all uh, nevertheless, uh, immersed in modern life, whether we like it or not, informs our thinking, our language, everything else. Um, there is no ready way to protest uh, what is the uh, the underlying issue, and yet that protest has to that resistance has to assume some kind of uh, form, and it, it it does in various forms of. Uh, Paranoia, such as the uh, deep state uh, pursuing Trump, uh, such as the uh, you know elites trying to uh, establish a new world order through the medium of uh, COVID-justified uh, restrictions. Uh, these are all protests about uh, the root cause. Right? Liberals say you know. Um, yeah, you want to condemn crime, but look at the root causes of crime. And I guess, you know, my defense of uh, conservatives and conservatism in the book is uh, in the same uh, vein, which is, yeah, you want to uh, condemn all these conservative uh, irrationalities. Well, fine, but isn't what is the root cause of those uh, of those irrationalities? And that is... Uh, Something that goes uh, goes uh, deeper than uh, than and, and politics and, and cannot be uh, resolved uh, adjudicated through uh, COVID policy. Uh, just uh, something occurred to me. So opposition to abortion is not something that has characterized, preoccupied the right wing or Christianity for for hundreds and hundreds of years. But suddenly it, as I understand it anyway, it was seized upon a useful organizing tactic by various disparate elements of the so-called new right 
in the mid to late 1970s. And so many Republicans, however, don't realize that it's an organizing tactic. They've taken it on as like an absolute sacred value to you know stop the Holocaust of of uh, you know abortion going on in, in America. Uh, is there something inherently right wing? Is is opposition to abortion just you know wired in to a traditional right wing morality or? As I see it, it's just a a fairly cynical organizing principle and and tactic used by the right to unite you know various elements of his coalition to win elections. Well, you know, I think that uh, it's certainly the case. I think I think what you were alluding to that certainly uh, up through the '60s, early '70s, uh, uh, the main main uh, evangelical Christians. In uh, the United States, certainly we're not uh, terribly uh, preoccupied with uh, with abortion. Uh, some of them may, may have even been uh, pro pro choice, uh, even though they were like they were conservative religiously or, or perhaps somewhat uh, indifferent. But yeah, it was it was as part of uh, Reagan's ascent that it be- it became a central uh, conservative issue, you know. Uh, you know, going back further, I'm not I'm not an expert, you know, on, you know, uh, abortion uh, laws and, and, and what, what states they were in place uh, when. Um, but, but what is right wing about opposing abortion? Is there something inherently right wing about well, on the uh, left, opposing on abortion the left, being sacred? But, I mean, the, the left's position, I'm not I think it's probably true to a certain extent, is that uh, opposition to abortion may not be inherently uh, right wing, but insofar as uh, free access to abortion is an expression of feminism, uh, opposition to feminism is right wing, and so opposition to abortion is a circuitous expression of that. Mm-hmm. That would be the left wing. Uh, I think it's right wing in that respect. Maybe not in its immediate object, but uh, in its uh, it's an in, in, uh, underlying impetus, insofar as a uh, abortion signifies, you know, uh, having sex at a whim uh, without without consequence, mm-hmm. um, uh, or a woman's uh, freedom to choose partners or procreating for reasons other than uh, re reproduction. So. I mean, that would be that. That's a question you would have to ask yourself as a uh, right winger. You're you're saying yeah, you don't you don't you don't see this uh, obvious conceptual connection between general right wing principles and uh, being pro life. And yeah, people on the left are going to say yeah, you are you, you you are correct, and that's but that connection, that psychological connection is explained by uh, our view of conservatives, which you may sort of, you know, dismiss as, you know, uncharitable and, you know, slanderous and ad hominem, but they are actually what what explain something that you yourself acknowledge uh, may not be otherwise explicable. Hmm. Now, it, it would be kind of ironic if the left, if we grant that the liberal left was was more responsible with regard to dealing with COVID, but fighting COVID restrictions 
then turns out to be a political winner for <laughs> Republicans. That is not unknown, that the party doing the right thing ends up getting punished at the ballot box right. uh, while the party doing the irresponsible thing profits. Uh, that, right. that might very well happen in the United States. Any thoughts? On, on uh, well, I mean, I think, I think as far as uh, COVID, I mean, uh, certainly even, you know, notwithstanding Operation Warp Speed, I guess that that's a, 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 a part of why Trump lost in uh, in 2020. And, and I don't know how big a part of it it was, but given, you know, how close our uh, our elections are and especially 2020, uh, you know, it, it didn't have to be huge to have uh, to have have uh, cost him the election, which he might have uh, have otherwise won um, at this point. You know, I don't think. Um, Nobody's really thinking or talking about COVID at uh, at this point. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the different candidates' liabilities uh, play out. I think that both uh, Trump and DeSantis are leading Biden by at least a few points in uh, uh, you know head-to-head matchup polls uh, right now. So I don't think I I, I think it. Uh, COVID policy cost uh, Republicans, um, I, but I don't think so debilitatingly. So I don't. I don't think that's going to like carry forth uh, into the next election. And uh, for the first time since I don't know in a hundred years, it, it seems to me there are at least some reasons to believe that the right is having some success in the culture wars. Like, the, the right has pretty much taken loss after loss. Is that fair to say in the last, I don't know, 100 years, 80 years, 60 yeah, years? Yeah, I mean, that's, the wars? Uh, right, that's William, F., William F. Buckley, a conservative, someone who uh, stands athwart history and says, stop. So that's, that, that is sort of intrinsic to the uh, conservative, uh, you know, self, uh, self-understanding. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, insofar as you have um, all, I mean, obviously, you know, part of that is, you know, is the result of just clever, you know, strategery. So, you know, if we think about the uh, Supreme Court uh, overturning of Roe versus Wade, another Supreme Court decision, that's because, you know, conservatives were, you know, very uh, skillful during the Trump administration in uh, getting their people in, 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 in place. But I think other things, let's say the, uh, the bans on uh, transgender ideology or critical race theory in schools, the ban on uh, gender-affirming care, quote-unquote, um, in various states, those are uh, kind of an, an expression of, uh, you know, popular popular sentiment um i don't know if that's you know the extent to which that's going to make inroads in uh in blue states it's it's sort of a heightened activity by red states without necessarily making inroads into the uh the blue or purple states i mean to actually say that you know one side is uh winning you know it's like culture wars it's like uh you know, trench warfare, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you might have a good day, 
but uh, is it, it's still fundamentally divided. So you would have to start uh, br- bringing in people in the in the in the blue areas. You know, I don't I don't see that happening. I see you know the result of you know these what are the these unduly you know extreme uh, bans on gender affirming care, which I mean I, I favor. Certainly, more oversight and more caution than exists now, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't favor a categorical ban. So there, you have the uh, worst instincts of, uh, of of conservatives, which are uh, are going to reinforce the uh, worst instincts of uh, of liberals, which is a uh, you know an uncritical embrace of of gender ideology. Would it be difficult for you to be? friends with someone who's trans um <coughs> it's I, I i i i i have not had that experience so you know anything i say is is speculative though you know it would certainly <coughs> create a certain self-consciousness on my part as I like, I'm their friend, but do I really recognize their gender identity as as superseding them? You know how you know is there a correct way that I'm supposed to see them? So, uh, you know, it's not like I would be like viscerally uh, antagonistic to being a friend with a transgender person, but I could see a certain like you know weirdness, which might be difficult to overcome, because you know it is a it is a contradiction of sorts. Uh, which is fine, you know. It's people who are living with a contradiction. Maybe they have no choice but to. But uh, there is a, a, a certain a certain contradiction, you know. But you know, there is a difference between, you know, there are trans people where if I just see on YouTube, like you know, I accept them as this. You know, they pass very readily as the sex that they present. And uh, so, if you tell me I'm yeah, biologically, they're not actually that sex. They doesn't have like a big influence on how I see them, um, but if, if it's if it's got kind of transgenderism where it's somebody who's like otherwise is completely male but says I'm a female, yeah, that 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 creates a certain a certain dissonance for me. We we used surprised by what what struck me as a generally low IQ, histrionic, conspiratorial, and maladaptive conservative response to COVID as opposed to what I, on the right, saw as a generally more professional, more responsible uh, approach to COVID by those on the, the, the liberal left. Were you surprised by the divergence in the reactions, or was, did you think, ah, oh, this is all accounted for by my book? Naturally, the latter. You know, that's the, maybe it's the author's narcissism. But, uh, but, but, but no, but I do, I did say that, you know, uh, to my, I guess, to, you know, to my credit, I guess that, uh, you know, well before COVID is that don't, don't take the traditional conservative self presentation at face value, you know, which is the face value is like, you know, we're not, we're not ideological, we're not radical. We just have this temperamental skepticism about change. We are, you know, better attuned to you to the flaws and uh, imperfections of uh, human beings 
you know, that is the the conservatives, you know, the official, you know, Buckleyite uh, uh, 1950s conservative uh, self-presentation. And I did well before COVID uh, argue that this is, uh, you know, this is not the the marrow of uh, of conservatism that uh, there is a certain uh, kind of you know untamed uh, rebellion against modernity lying uh, within there in the modern self and this this you know presentation of you know what you know the the official uh, you know Edmund Burke Russell Kirk you know intellectual conservatism. Even though yeah, certainly people believe it, I mean, there are, I'm not saying they don't have genuine uh, proponents, but insofar as conservatism can be a mass movement, that can will never be sufficient to herd people in. You is know, there, yeah. Is there enough in in right wing thought that uh, could have seen? A, a greater, stronger, more restrictive reaction to COVID coming from the right than the left, given that, uh, at least according to John, Jonathan Haidt's, uh, you know, moral foundations theory, uh, people on the right are more obsessed with, with purity and cleanliness and conscientiousness than people on the left. Also, people on the right are much more, uh, have much greater reactions to, to threats and to impurity so those are some possible bases for why we might have expected a more restrictive reaction to covid coming from the right than the left it, it would would that have been coherent to traditional right-wing conservative thought yeah so i mean that would that that is something that would follow from you know heights uh you have our you know our his moral uh moral taste bud uh theories you know but <coughs> I I I was never fully uh, comfortable with the way he dichotomized between moral taste buds. I mean, I I I I, I liked his general theory insofar as it helped me articulate my intuitions that you have these a, you have a social order which is kind of suppressing the conservative taste buds uh, to while privileging that of liberals, thus creating the the ornery uh, American resisting that state of affairs. So the general framework was certainly useful to me, but um, I, I, you know, I, I, I always felt, you know, which is why I wrote, I wrote my, my, my book that to really understand the differences between uh, conservatives and liberals, you need something, you know, more, more subtle, uh, than you know the kind of you know bifurcation that he defends and that explains you know some some things and uh that's why in in the book i talk about the the civilizing process the mutation of pre-modern religiosity to uh modern uh spirituality it's it's kind of it's certainly a more cumbersome analysis than is 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 his but it's something that can ultimately explain why in, you know, certain contexts, um, liberals will attach uh, a higher meaning to uh, purity that were, you know, such as, you know, uh, uh, resistance to uh, disease. Whereas, you know, maybe 
maybe certain conservatives will in the context of of sexuality. It's like, like you can't readily dichotomize. You find these all these taste buds and everyone in these weird forms. And so if you want to really make sense of why people go the way they 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 do, you have to understand it in the context of of the civilizing process. And so, you know, my evidence for that is as you as you just pointed out, uh, the conservative reaction was not uh, what you would most straightforwardly expect based on Heights Heights theory. Uh, but it, 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 it's more readily explained by by my own. That's that's the argument I would make. Right. So anyone's had experience in in your typical Orthodox home, it's usually filled with rambunctious children. So Orthodox Jews, by and large, are very much on the right, and their homes are usually overflowing with highly rambunctious children who, you know, create a lot of chaos and disorder. So it's not what you would prototypically regard as, as pure. So when I go to an Orthodox home, you know, there will be kids, you know, swinging, fighting, uh, they, you know, highly expressive. It's not a sanitized, safe, uh, pure environment. On the other hand, they would be, many Orthodox homes would be, you know, outraged by uh, any suggestions of homosexuality, sexual promiscuity, even the presence of a, a TV would be felt as an injury to the you know social order to everything that gives meaning to their lives so i i would think that uh you know a typical secular left liberal going to an orthodox home they would be kind of frightened by the chaos and the exuberance and you know just all the the children running around and you know one person you know passed out on on the couch and you know men drinking and you know, just very rambunctious horseplay going on, not not a whole lot of safety, and, you know, maybe not even the levels of, of cleanliness that they would expect. Uh, on the other hand, as far as regulating social meaning, you, you'd have, you know, a lot more strictures in the Orthodox Jewish home than you would in, in a liberal, secular, left-wing home, I suspect, which would be much more open to having a TV, to modern entertainments, to a more open and welcoming attitude towards homosexuality and trans. So they kind of understand purity in very different ways. Is there anything there that you'd like to elaborate on? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with your perceptions. I mean, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, if you were to compare, uh, you know, the, 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 the Hasids with, you know, with, you know, evangelical Christians, you know, there's certain certain overlap. But yeah, certainly, you know, the Hasids are, you know, are big party animals. You know, they won't, Hold the hands of women, but they'll 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 pop up in one bottle of vodka after the next. I have uh, I have you know in my life partied with them on uh on on occasions. They are certainly you know high on life. You know there's not there's not any you know any kind of a somber asceticism at all. Notwithstanding all the rules that they impose on themselves, it, you know those rules do not have uh. Uh, this dour, uh, life-negating uh, meaning. I guess they have a kind of an, an uplifting meaning. I mean, you know, I think, uh, and this is something which I, I, I discuss um, in uh, the, you know, the the um, the follow-up to conservative claims of uh, of cultural values, the critical theory of uh, 
of academia. I mean, I think about uh, Nietzsche and his understanding of Judaism to Christianity, and then then I think of uh, the relationship of uh, Christianity to uh, to modernity. And uh, so, you know, he was uh, he's really uh, criticized Judaism on certain fronts, though he uh, overall much preferred it to uh, to Christianity. And he said, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the Jews sort of they play the role of the decadent. He's not Christianity is decadent. And he said, you know, the Jews kind of they, they play the part. They're not actually decadent, but they play the part of the decadent uh, of, of decadence. So he for, for him sort of with the decline of the, you know, the, the political and military power of uh, ancient Israel and conquest by external foes. Judaism assumes a increasingly priestly garb where sort of your self-esteem comes to rest upon ritual purity and obedience to rules, but they do not actually succumb uh, to decadence because there is sort of still an, an underlying celebration of life, notwithstanding that given their conditions in order to hold their community together, they have to adopt these priestly strictures. So that that corresponds to the kind of household that you are uh, describing on one level, very highly regulated, but having a certain substratum that, uh, you know, that still expresses this old chaotic uh, affirmative impulse, but just it has its its place. It's not completely negated, but it's it's controlled for reasons of uh, of necessity in, in Nietzsche's mind, but then. Christianity then degenerates into actual decadence because the priestly self-restraint and aspiration to purity becomes an end in itself, not simply a uh, a social survival mechanism, but an ethos in its own uh, in its own right. And you know, maybe and of course, if you you know, modernity as a uh, in large part, to the extent that it's not completely nihilistic, a uh, a secularization of of Christianity, and that would that would correspond, I guess, with this, uh, you know, liberal uh, liberal household, which might be somewhat, uh, uh, even though they see themselves as, as as free spirits, still on a certain level would would be a little bit uh, uh, distraught by the uh, the rambunctiousness of this traditional Orthodox community. Is there a meaningful difference between left and right wing desires to boss people around, to morally instruct people, to bully people, to you know, morally uplift and educate people? I mean, it's certainly expressed in different ways. So you know, the right is more interested in you know, injecting God into the public square, injecting religion into the public square. Uh, making the case for traditional forms of community, a family, of uh, sexual relations. The left has a greater desire to instruct, possibly bully, uh, possibly inspire and elevate people to you know, a greater sense of, of reflexiveness, like looking at their actions from the outside so that you know people become more aware of how everything they say and do is affecting other people. So it's kind of the, the difference between the trad who has an attitude, my home is my castle, therefore, you know, I can pretty much say what I do and want within my home versus the, the courtier morality where you weigh everything you, you say and do 
according to how it will, you know, affect other people. And you're constantly keeping up to date with, you know, who's up and who's down. But is there any meaningful difference, substantial difference, significant difference between the right wing desire to instruct and to bully, to inspire and morally uplift people and the left wing desire to do the exact same thing, though, in different areas? Well, you know, it's it's it, it's very interesting you raise that question because um, well, I'll just say it. Yeah, no, no worries. So you can uh, just, just have a drink, drink of water. So um, yeah. what I'm saying is that, uh, you know, I, I am sort of, you know, going through conservative claims of cultural oppression. I think you, you, you remarked, you know, you think it's publishable. I think I, I want to like clean up a few things. I can just make a few things a little more terse. But uh, so I'm, I'm going through all the stuff that I haven't looked at uh, for a while. And I see, you know, right before me. So the last chapter I edited was uh, section six, I think from chapter chapter seven or eight. But it's a female grade school teachers from uh, Brown or Swarthmore. And uh, I, I think that section sort of speaks to the question which you are uh, raising. And that's where I really try to um, articulate uh, the difference between right and left uh, bullying. And, and, you know, I don't see, uh, I, I don't ascribe uh, bullying to either left or the, or, or the right, though it assumes, you know, very different, very different forms. Um, and, um, you know, on the on the right, it's it's you know it's a cruder, but also more straightforward and more uh, more honest form, which is like you know, you need to uh, to accept this uh, this 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 morality. There's an external imposition, and that is you know socially necessary, and maybe that is that is you know the way of the universe, and you know the 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 left eschews that. But I, I argue in uh, the book that really, you know, we should be skeptical of that. It's true there isn't this kind of overt moralization. It is, you know, as you pointed out, you know, I'm not imposing something on you. I want to, you know, help you become this uh, reflective, aware uh, being. But I highlight the, uh, you know, even though, I, you know, ostensibly innocent and I don't want to be cynical, but that certainly creates many openings for manipulation where, you know, I'm not imposing anything on you, but I am, I'm holding you up to a standard, you know, which is, you know, will help you become um, who you, uh, who you are. And, you know, um, and and so, you know, I guess to go back to transgenderism, when I think about that uh, today, you know, this, this, uh, you know, for many transgender uh, educators, they think that it's sort of a natural part of growing up, even at a, a childhood age, for everybody to grapple with their gender identity. You know, this is something that everybody needs to go, are you really a, a boy or a girl? You could be uh, either. And yeah, most people will not end up transgender, but they think everybody should, at a minimum, grow and develop through this process, so that is a case where on on the service on the service, you know, the left is not imperious. We're not imposing a transgender identity on you. We just want to help you reflect. But if you look at a deeper level, they are imposing a certain worldview, namely the idea that everybody has a transgender identity. You know, even if they never thought about it, so they are they are imposing a certain way of 
being human, even though if on the surface, you know, they're very liberal and deferential and and inoffensive, there is still a will to power operating beneath uh, the surface, a uh, very sublimated, very uh, intellectualized, you know, hard to, you know, call out, which is, you know, to go back to something I said uh, earlier, it is why a uh, conservative will, will sometimes react with a, uh, a visceral hostility because it is, it is very hard to articulate, uh, you know, the imperiousness of, of, of the, of the left. So to return to the basic question, you know, I, your basic issue, I think, I think both, a generally sophisticated view of human nature and a look at, you know, history says that, you know, bullying is something which is in, uh, you know, all, all, all human nature, but can take very many different forms. So the, the establishment, our, our elites, the, the, the media were very much on board with lockdown as our initial response to COVID. And I'm quite open to that. I think probably at that time and place in March, April, May of 2020, probably quite you know well advised. I, I'm open to that that being true. But what really undercut the the left's claim to you know much greater competence with, with regard to COVID is that as soon as George Floyd died, all the the establishment, Fortune 500 companies, uh, the the news media, which had been saying we need to socially distance, then said uh, protesting George Floyd's death is much more important than concerns about COVID transmission and social distancing, which made, you know, those of us who are not on the left start to question, are, are all these COVID restrictions, are they, you know, primarily for our own benefit if the, the liberal left and the establishment and the mainstream media and the powers that be and our all our leading institutions simultaneously completely change with regard to social distancing uh, because George Floyd died at the hands of a police officer. Now we don't need to worry about social distancing. It, it's much more important for our health to get out there and protest uh, racial injustice with millions of our fellow citizens, you know, getting together with our fellow citizens to protest racial injustice. Uh, put your concerns about social distancing aside. Like the, the establishment just changed on a dime and said that the George Floyd protests were healthy and good. I mean, the medical establishment, the, the media establishment, the political establishment, all right-thinking people changed on a dime with regard to social distancing because George Floyd w died at the hands of a police officer. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I remember that, yeah, there were some, like, uh, doctors who went out and tweeted, you know, racism, you know, it's justified because racism is a uh, public uh, health hazard. So as though they were like objective, you know, scientists, even though we're apparently making a uh, political statement, you know, I mean, you know, all of these protests were outdoors, but as were a number of uh, non-political activities. I mean, I definitely um, remember there were, um, what was I going to say? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I remember like seeing, seeing it, was, it was on CNN or MSNBC and it was like some sort of a, you know, like resort uh, town in, the, in, 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 in Arkansas, in the Ozarks, you know, like some sort of lakefront thing. It's like, oh, you know, look at, you know, all these people, uh, you know, ignoring uh, COVID. And they were, you know, yeah, they were in a swimming pool, uh, outdoor swimming pool, so probably minimal risk of uh transmitting uh covid 
but I agree. Like, what was what were they trying to do? It was like, you look, you have these like middle Americans, uh, in all likelihood, uh, non progressive. And yeah, they're being so socially irresponsible by going to this, uh, you know, weekend uh, outdoor lakeside uh, resort and just uh, hanging around uh, outside. And uh, I think it was only, uh, yeah, it was shortly thereafter with uh, George, uh, George Floyd. And uh, certainly, I guess, you know, outside is relatively safe. But when you have hundreds of people packed together in a uh, protest, uh, that's as dangerous as it could get out outside, whatever whatever that is. Um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that gave the, the 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 lie, you know, which is that you know, yeah, on the left you also had uh, you know certain uh, um, certain aspiration to purity and uh, cleanliness and righteousness, and that was sort of. That was uh, interacting with, uh, with 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 the science, and it, it, uh, it then interacted with uh, with George Floyd as well. Okay, here's a, a paragraph from your book: the populist conservatives of the Tea Party movement to be celebrated not for the accuracy of their assertions, the cogency of their arguments, or the wisdom of their prescriptions, but for the kind of people they are: ornery Americans. To critique Tea Party conservatism intellectually is Therefore, to commit a category error, these conservatives' anger is not ultimately driven by intellectual arguments and therefore cannot be brought to an end through intellectual arguments. Their objections to this or that federal program may be less than cogent, but the ostensible issues are always secondary, merely the accidental mediums through which something more fundamental is being asserted. This is the anarchic will of free men, which the elites are hell-bent on extirpating, but which the populist conservative will defend at all costs. So this was... this anarchic populist it's attitude. From, uh, from Lee Harris, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm just thinking that this, this celebration of the Tea Party was a lot easier to do prior to COVID. Like, this is great. And then something like COVID comes along and and this this ornery attitude of, of you know, Tea Party people seems, you know, a lot less adaptive to reality. Right. Well, I, yeah, I, I guess you could say you know, the Tea Party, even though, you know, they harped on traditional uh, conservative uh, demands for, you know, lower taxes and lower deficit spending and, and, and you know, all, all that stuff. Uh, nonetheless, the Tea Party was uh, very uh, performative, you know, uh, as as is indicated by its its title, you know, it alluded to something in the in the 18th uh Century they had these 18th century get-ups. So these uh, these impulses, the anarchic will of free men, aside from general Republican agitation, it did not really uh, interact with uh, with the world too too deeply. But yeah, you would say with COVID here was an actual fight that was laid at. At their feet, they had some uh, some real uh, meat to sink their uh, their their teeth into, and yeah, and it, and it had and it had you know repercussions. Um, and and you know any degree of irrationality on the left would uh, would fuel the rancor, you know, much much more than was warranted. Uh, here's another great paragraph from your book, uh, Conservative Claims of Cultural Oppression. Hence, uh, David Cahane's accusation that liberals had a drop of a Rolodex. 
come with a rotating hit squad of well-placed academics ready to pounce and opine upon just about anything having to do with you. Cons uh, liberals are very good at this. They, they do have this rotating squad of very well-placed academics. They're ready to, to pounce yeah. on any conservative idiocy. It's people are trained practically from birth as an instant response team. The weaklings and the physical cowards who sought the safety of a sinecure instead of the mortal combat of life, but who still get the thrill of shooting inarticulate fish in a barrel. Liberals may dismiss this as empty ad hominem, but what is the sinecure enjoyed by liberal academics but a contemporary iteration of the royal pension that an absolutist monarch might have deigned to bestow upon courtly supplicants, meaning emasculated yeah. warriors turned courtiers? So if academics are competent to discredit conservative claims of cultural impression as easily as one shoots inarticulate fish in a barrel, do they not owe their superior eloquence to the conditions that first generated it? So... Yeah, the, the liberal left has been very good at pointing out conservative idiocy with regard to COVID. I mean, and in general, the liberal left with, with organizations like Media Matters, et cetera, are very good at spotting, exposing, and humiliating conservatives. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, 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 th that's why, you know, we, so we've been, uh, to, to heart back to uh, transgenderism, you know, when, whenever you... Uh, you hear the you know left liberal position is all you know all all the major medical organizations you know have endorsed gender affirming care as safe and necessary and so forth and you know and that is that is that is true and that will be the cudgel uh to really end any kind of reflection about things that you know seem quite problematic, you, you know, puberty blockers and 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 things with you know potential ramification, you know, irreversible ramifications. So they are able they have that that ha has that power. It's not you know, of course, it's in and in, in some cases it is the reality. It'll vary from situation to situation. So you know that that cut in in the co in, in in the context of covid that cudgel you know is more backed by facts in the in the context of transgenderism if you were to actually look at what practitioners on the ground think well you know the the consensus is not is not there there's a range of views and if you look at uh these european countries that are you know quite quite progressive uh, they're not. They're not. You know, it's not Magaland. They're not uh, Southern Baptist. Uh, they have become, you know, uh, quite quite cautious and uh, wary about uh, medical uh, interventions in the transgender context. Uh, so you know, they have they have that cudgel, and uh, sometimes it's consistent with the facts, and uh, you know, sometimes it it merely appears to be. Yeah, so let me start to wind down the show. Just two more excellent paragraphs. Of, this is just a fantastic book. I, I read it again and again, dip into conservative I, uh, Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to try to get it out there uh, after after these edits. Great. I, I, I just, it's such an important book, it seems to me. Uh, I, I'm a serial enthusiast, so I'm not necessarily the most reliable person. Like Everyone knows I'm an intellectual gigolo. I'm always a excited by new ideas but i've been excited by this book for uh, pro nearly a year or, or at least a year i just love this book but uh, here here are two more paragraphs from this great book christina hoff summers argues that our culture's contemporary therapism emerged with the waning of traditional religion 
and is premised on the proposition that vulnerability rather than strength characterizes the American psyche and that a diffident, anguished, and emotionally apprehensive public requires a vast array of therapists, self-esteem educators, grief counselors, worshippers, healers, and traumatologists to lead it through the trials of everyday life. One more paragraph. Whether it be through the admonitions of the family doctor, the solicitude of therapists, the decisions of credentialing agencies, or the disciplinary specialization of universities, the basic message is that ordinary Americans must be supervised by liberals who are acting in their capacity as liberals, even as they profess to be only committed professionals just trying to get the job done. So I think these two paragraphs explain important you know, cultural, political uh, dynamics in America and much of the West, but they also explain why the left, the liberal left, and the establishment, which is dominated by the liberal left, was so effective with regard to COVID compared to right-wing responses of, you know, take hydroxychloroquine and, and you know, work out. Uh, but this, you know, therapeutic, let's, you know, have the, the solicitude of therapists, the admonitions of the family doctors, let's have, you know, credentialing agencies, and let's have disciplinary specialization from universities. Uh, these two paragraphs seem to me to present... Uh, evidence, uh, reasons, perspectives why the liberal left was much better equipped to, to deal with COVID than the reactionary right. Anything you want to add here, Ronnie? Well, yeah, that is uh, that is the uh, dominant uh, dispensation, you know? And I, I also, like, you know, I resisted it, you know? I mean, uh, the Star Chamber is uh, about my, real, my resistance to, you know, academic professionalism, though... You know, I have I have no impulse to uh, resist professionalism in a you know medical context. I got vaccinated as soon as I could, um, and so I you know th there's a certain uh, moral ambiguity. Uh, it's uh, we need this left wing framework. Uh, it will be you know respect for uh, experts and. Uh, professionalism for the modern world to function all while having you know a certain awareness of its limitations at least in some context and it's 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 very hard to uh hold uh those those thoughts uh together you know uh you know hence the uh, the extremism on the uh right and uh, certain, as usual, a certain uh, corresponding self-satisfaction on the left. Okay, have there been any developments in your terrific memoir, The Star Chamber of Stanford, on the secret trial and invisible persecution of a Stanford Law Fellow? Any developments in this memoir, which you released approximately a year ago, I believe? Yeah, a little, a little over a year ago, I think, uh, 13, 14 months ago. You know, not recently. You know, I mean, I, I, I still want to get it out there. I've been looking for uh, means. I, I think, uh, you know, I was thinking about YouTube, uh, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's the right medium for me. I kind of, I, I did a few videos, but I really feel like I should uh, really try to, you know, just like we had this discussion about transgenderism, and uh, I should start, uh, you know, writing and submitting it and trying to get the my name and hence the memoir out that way i i don't see any you know i mean i've i've tried to put ads out there but it's really not uh cost efficient so you know for some reason even you know a number of people including yourself have uh you know read my work and it's like you know why it should be 
it should be out there. It speaks to important issues. But nevertheless, there seems to be this kind of uh, chasm, you know, where I'm where I'm coming from. You know, I'm not I'm not an elite. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any kind of institutional backing. So to get it out there uh, has been and, uh, you know, remains a, a challenge. I mean, you know, I'm grateful to you and and others who are Reddit that have, you know, helped fortify my 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 confidence in its underlying merits. But to actually get a significantly greater number of people to read it. Uh, it remains a uh, a challenge. So you know, my 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 present plan is to try to, as best I can, repackage uh, its insights, get it out there. Whoever, whatever you know, online publications might be interested in to try, try to draw people in uh, that way. But it's not uh, it's not coming naturally. I would certainly say that. And what has it been like for you to revisit and and fine tune? and edit uh, conservative claims of cultural oppression, which is your magnum opus? Well, it, on, on one level, it's stressful because I really, I haven't really touched it since, you know, the end of 2017. And before and then I turned full time to the uh, star, uh, star chamber. But, you know, I am grateful to say that even though I, you know, I find plenty to edit, uh, I, I don't find any problems with the underlying substance. So it's more like, you know, should be able to shorten this sentence, but I, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm almost done with like my first, my first, uh, edit. I made, you know, go, go and do another, but, uh, it's, it's one of those, uh, things where, I mean, obviously it came from, uh, from me from deeply inside me, but it's also, you know, it's, uh, it does feel a little bit foreign though. I'm, I'm, I'm becoming re reabsorbed in it. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, anything else that you want to hit before we wrap up for today? Um, I think I think we've covered uh, we've covered our bases, uh, but we should uh, we should do this again uh, ag- again again soon with a, with another set of topics. Yeah, sounds sounds really good. Uh, great to talk to you, Ronnie. Take care, man. Great talking to you. Yeah, sorry about sorry about the camera. I don't don't know no what worries. happened. But... <laughs> okay, take care, man. Have a good Bye-bye. night. Bye bye.